1: welcome to the program it's thursday and you know what that means it's the date day edition and that means beautiful paula is live in the studio and she looks particularly smart today so if you have any questions or need any encouragement ladies this is the day to call her uh, i'm pastor ron arbaugh from calvary chapel in san antonio texas and you're listening to the date day edition of the program 340-9585 for your live calls and questions That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free at 630-KSLR. Let me put the area code there, too. 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app if you're driving in your car. The safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit the call now button. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer, who, by the way, is absolutely brilliant today. <laughs> he is a guest producer, and he's the best, the very best. Paula, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much.
1: You look good. What's on your heart?
2: A lot of things are on my heart. <laughs> um, yeah, its it's been kind of a, a weird uh, week or so, but... I think the problem I'm having is today we have a son that turned forty five. Yeah. <laughs> forty five. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yes. He is forty five today. I can't believe wow. Yeah.
1: Today I said, Paula, we have a forty five year old son and you said, We're closing in on fifty.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, that's just amazing. So yeah, happy birthday again to Ronnie and then Anna. Her birthday today, and so is Kendra. So happy birthday to the three of you. As far as I know, those are only three in my sphere that, you know, that today's her birthday. Um, And then before I forget, not um, Opie Taylor's birthday, too, okay, from Andy Griffith show. um, But next Wednesday, I I will be in the studio with you, and we'll call that Retreat week Wednesday because next Thursday is our women's retreat. Be gone.
1: Or we could just call it the day-to-day edition one day early.
2: We could do that too, but mine sounds (laughs) way better. Retreat week Wednesday. So, and since you know, sort of kind of it's my show, even though that won't be a Thursday, that's that's what I'm going to call it. Retreat week Wednesday. I think that sounds good. Um, But, okay, so what do i want to talk about today well last week we were talking about we're called to do one thing you know and that's to love the lord our god with all of our hearts with all of our minds with all of our strength and our neighbor as well and so i think we covered that pretty pretty well um but then you know you were talking about because i was writing notes from two weeks ago now uh Radio program, maybe it was a week ago, it was a week ago Wednesday, where you said, Job saw and heard God and it changed him. And so, um, you know, uh, Job was going through a whole lot of stuff. And then, you know, the one thing he did say that um, we can all take heart to is he said, Though he slay me, I will trust Him. So go ahead and talk about that, Pastor.
1: <laughs> so just talk about it, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: um, you know, we're,
1: we're going through, um, as Paul indicates, some difficult things. We, we People that we love very dearly are sick. I asked you yesterday to pray for Raina and Carl. Uh, Raina is going through something. Um, not only difficult, but painful. And yet, you know, we, we go through these difficulties. Wouldn't it be great if, if, if you got saved you didn't have any more problems? But that's not life. It's not even being close to real. And because we have to be honest, our job is to prepare people. And the only way to do it, and this kind of touches on my study last night as well, The only way to go through difficult things is in the presence of the Lord. And Job thought he had God figured out. Now, Job was a righteous man better than anybody else that lived on the face of the earth. But in his suffering and and, and immense suffering that we can't even begin to comprehend, in the face of so-called friends accusing him and judging him unfairly, Job never accused God he had lots of questions for God. Why is this happening? Job is a human, just like we were human, or we're humans. And Job wanted to know well, why this shouldn't be happening. What's happening here? And God never answered him in that entire book. And so what we've got, Paula, is we've got a guy who only had one recourse in the middle of his suffering and his pain, and that was the Lord Himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Before I'd heard about you, but now I've seen you. Is what he said at the end, and when he saw God, it changed his life in one regard, because he had no more questions. It changed his life, because seeing God was enough. I always think of Philip asking uh, Jesus, well, just show Mm -hmm. us the Father, Mm -hmm. and that will be be enough enough. for Mm -hmm. us in John chapter 14, Mm -hmm. Uh, or John chapter 14, don't you know if you've been with me all this time, you have seen the Father? Well show us the way, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. All they needed, the same thing that Job needed, Paula, the same thing that you and I need, the same thing that Carl and Raina need, the same thing that anybody in this audience who's going through something really, really difficult needs, is the presence of the Lord. And that's why the study last night was timely, because the one thing that mattered more to David than anything else was the presence of God. Now, it wasn't like us, it wasn't intimate, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Mm -hmm. but it was the Ark of the Covenant. And David wanted to get it. The problem is he wanted to do it his way, and that's a whole different story. But Mm -hmm. the point is, David lived for the presence of God. He wanted to have the presence in the form of the ark. I tell the church here all the time, what happens to Israel uh, in in the physical realm happens to us in the spiritual realm. When we're going through really difficult things, no matter how terrifying they might be, the only thing that has any value, the only thing that provides any hope, is his presence and one of the things I asked the church last night because uh, I want us to be like Job mm-hmm. I've seen God and it changed me um, I asked him are you as persistent? are you as vigilant in seeking the presence of God every day all day do you work hard to include him or like many of us do you exclude him because it's is easier to do things our own way And uh, Job learned the lesson, and and, uh, I hope we learn the lesson as well. Um, You know, I I hate to be a downer, and and, uh, this really isn't because it ends with the return of Jesus. But this world that we live in, I mean, this really is a foreign place to us. You know, Abraham was a a stranger, a pilgrim. Mm -hmm. Um, He he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. I think too many of us, Paul, even even as born-again believers, Too many of us are trying to find comfort in this world instead of traveling through it as a stranger looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. And the result is that we go through things on our own because we've lost the, the ability to be in His presence. You know, I always talk about practicing the presence of God. We've lost the ability to do that because it's frankly not that important to us. And, and if I could make everybody in this radio audience hear one thing and understand it at the depth of their soul, it would be this. You'll never be home here. This is not where we live. This is, this is our temporary uh, abode, but it's not at all where we live. And uh, we live in the presence of Jesus, and he's the one that gives the orders. He's the one that, that directs our steps. He's the one who knows yesterday and tomorrow. And, and all we have to do is include Him, His presence, in our minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour minute, uh, hour lives. And if we'll do that, um, then we're ready for whatever the Lord brings across our path. And frankly, and as un- insensitive as this might sound to some, um, people that are overwhelmed by trials uh, are too focused on themselves. And I mean that only in the sense that Jesus's grace is sufficient with what Carl and rain are going through with the many things that we've we've dealt with you know we've had three funerals um, recently and mm-hmm. we've had weddings and babies being born and babies being dedicated I mean it's just this whole cycle of life mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. that we see so often and in the good and the bad God's grace is enough and the way to enjoy the good the way to endure the difficult is to have Jesus right there with you. Yeah. Literally not just, I know he's in me, but I mean Jesus, mm-hmm. the man Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who ever lives to intercede for us. Mm-hmm. By the way, I heard somebody talking about that. You know, Jesus is in heaven right now praying for you. No, he's not. <laughs> That's silly. He's God. He is an everlasting statement of intercession is what Hebrew says. Mm-hmm. And he grants us permanent access, and that access never has more value than getting up in the morning and saying, good morning, Jesus. And he's right there. Mm -hmm. And if we'll do that, uh, our lives will be changed as well.
2: Yeah. And, you know, the whole time you're, you're talking is, you know, this year's women's retreat theme is abide and or it could be jbwj just be with jesus <laughs> and so you know um copyright i'm going to copyright that. <laughs> but abiding in him you're right you know he says if if you abide in me i will abide in you and so the abide is a is a proactive thing and when we want to abide with him he's so thrilled about that um that he's like been waiting for you you know? Yeah. This is what I long for.
1: That, that's a good thought. A, abide is a verb. And um, we dismiss it uh, as, as sort of inactive. Uh, like, well, when I need him, he'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't realize we need him every minute of the every day. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's at home in your marriage or, or you get bad news from a doctor or uh, you lose a job or or your, your children make horrible decisions, or your spouse makes horrible decisions. Um, we need to abide in Him, and He will abide in us. Now, that's conditional. He's in us, and He'll never leave us or forsake mm-hmm. us, but this abiding part is conditional. Um, I tell people here at the church all the time that the only the only thing required for Jesus to be with you is for you to be where He is. He doesn't follow me around and and, and try to, I'm going to keep up with you, Ron. I'm Mm going to keep up with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got to be where he is. Mm -hmm. He's always on the move. He's always going. And our function as Christians is to be swept up in the direction he's going and stay so close to him Mm -hmm. that if he stops, the person behind us bumps into us. Mm That's what abiding in Christ is all about. Yeah.
2: Yep. Amen. And so we're going to, we're going to, I can't wait to hear Jean in her teaching. But yes, just hanging out with Jesus. You know, it's not a matter of, of being on our knees and praying, you know, in the closet. But once again, it's walking with him, daily walking with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, like art. For instance, I've been praying for Art, you know, who's going into the nursing home, and he was talking about convincing the devil that, you know, hey, I'm saved. But that's kind of like, you know, misdirected conversation where, where Art and all of us need to know for ourselves, we're saved, just like that. We're saved, no matter what's going on in my life. I, this is not the end. We're saved, and we're going to be with Jesus because He's going to be with me wherever I'm. We have a,
1: we have a lady in our church, Vanessa. Bless her heart. She's been with us for seems like her whole life, but but it's not been that way. Mm-hmm. But for for twenty, 20 two years. Uh-huh. And uh, Vanessa has this, this saying: when somebody's just kind of bagging on her, oh, talk yeah. to the hand. Talk to
2: the hand, mm-hmm. and
1: that's what we need to do with with the devil, because mm-hmm. he's going to be huffing and puffing and mm-hmm. making threats and trying to make us frightened. But but th- there just shouldn't be one minute of one day that we spend talking to him. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I hate false... I'm going to go off on another tangent. Uh-uh. I won't do it. I refuse. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I hate false teaching so bad because they, they, they tell us in arrogance to talk to the devil. I bind you, oh, devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that nonsense. With the
2: head and not the yeah, tail and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah,
1: um, forget uh, that stuff. Just talk to Jesus. Yeah. Just be with him. You know, Paul, in our studies on Friday nights in Acts, and by the way, this is just for the audience, tomorrow's program is going to be a pre-recorded program because I'm going to be on my way to Houston. I'm speaking at a men's conference. Uh, Saturday morning, I'd appreciate your prayers uh, if you think about me on Saturday morning. But in our studies on Friday night, um, um, we're, we're beginning to see Paul's life and ministry take shape. We're, we're right at the end of his first missionary journey. We're in Acts chapter fourteen when we get back to that. Um, and and you know Paul's prayer list, and and this is something that we we all need to understand. You know, Paul didn't get up in the morning and have. Um, a, a, a devotion with Jesus Paul didn't get up in the morning and lock himself in a closet and pray Paul was busy mm-hmm. he had places to go mm-hmm. people need to get saved mm-hmm. he was on a mission from God he mm-hmm. really was mm-hmm. and so what Paul would do was on his way everywhere he was going he it was just him and Jesus and, and you read through his epistles uh, and, and the prayer list was so impressive overwhelming But it means that Paul never took a minute off. He was always praying, always on the go. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't like cozy 21st century Christians that say, well, you know, I'm just having my cup of coffee and I'm sitting here with my Bible open trying to hear from the Lord. And you know, he didn't have people come up to him and say trite things like, so what's the Lord saying to you today? Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Paul was at work. And that's what unleashed this enormous supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in his life. It was it was just Paul and Jesus. And and Jesus was running, and Paul was following him, mm-hmm. and Paul talked to him the whole time. Yeah. I can just hear him, you know, Jesus, while we're on our way here, mm-hmm. I, I want to pray for Philemon, and I want to pray for mm-hmm. Onesimus, and mm-hmm. I, I want to pray for uh, Quartus and Quintus and Tertius, mm-hmm. uh, j- just... That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And we've got it all wrong because uh, giving seminars on prayer sells tickets because I can make you feel real guilty and get more money from you <laughs> if I ask you, how's your prayer life? Mm-hmm. What we need to do is just be about the Lord's mm-hmm. business all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Now, wh- when when you've got to go to work, and that's what most of us do, um, Jesus is there with you. It's not like you're just hanging out with Jesus, not doing any work with Jesus. They're going to work really hard because mm-hmm. we got to do all things unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're, you're at the gym, we, we go to the gym in the mornings and um, what we're going to do is we're going to, 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 to look for opportunities. Jesus, how about him? Or how about her? And mm-hmm. we're going to look for opportunities mm-hmm. to share mm-hmm. and he'll always bring those opportunities
2: around. Yeah, Today at the, at the funeral we were at, um, exactly what you're saying that the, the preach the pastor there did a great job but as he's talking you know he's going he's given a uh an altar call you know for salvation and i look over and there's this young woman just with her hair um over her eyes just looked real dark and of course it's a sad time for those for all of us it's a sad time to lose somebody but for believers it's different It's a different sadness, you know what I'm saying. But when I looked at this young girl, and then there was a a gentleman um, to my left, two people in particular, It's like the Lord said, pray for them. They just looked not just lost, um, but hurting.
1: And and see, that's typical of your life. And that's
2: just walking with
1: Jesus. Paul, let's take a break. We'll come back to this. We've got Dave from the northwest side on line two. Dave, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
3: Yeah, I'd like to chat with you just a minute about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, Forgiveness. Uh, uh, No qualifications to forgiveness. It's an act of a will. I say, I forgive you. And and it's it's an act of my will, and that's not a I forgive you if. uh, I forgive. Uh, Reconciliation. Are there qualifications for reconciliation? Do we say, I will reconcile with you if... Or uh, uh, and if so, then I wonder how to interpret the verse from Matthew when you are told, "If you uh, if you go to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there at the altar. Don't be reconciled with your brother, and then come back and give your gift." So my question would be: uh, Are there qualifications for reconciliation?
1: Oh, great question! Um, um, I could probably do a, a week's worth of messages on it. Uh, Dave, a couple of things. I think reconciliation depends on two parties being, being willing to be reconciled. Uh, forgiveness is individual and singular. If, if you have offended me, I can choose to forgive you or at least extend forgiveness and then leave the ball in your court. And then reconciliation will depend on whether or not you take the ball and come and reconcile with me. We, we make things right. And certainly that's the idea. You know, when we, we Paul says, what we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, uh, it's more than just um, the message of the gospel, the world to God, but it's also describing, uh, it's an imperative describing the way that we live, the way that we walk out our, mm-hmm. our lives. So I think reconciliation, of course, depends on both parties being willing, but if one is unwilling, then the other party has done everything. That's why Paul says, as far as it depends on you, make peace with all men. It's not possible to make peace with everybody. Let me also say something about forgiveness, Dave, because I think this is equally important. Um, forgiveness doesn't mean that things immediately or instantly get back to normal. It's not like it never happened. You know, the the one great thing, uh, maybe greater than all other things about our relationship with Jesus... Is that the moment we accept the forgiveness he offers, our sins are as far from us as east is from west. They're forgotten and thrown in the deepest, darkest sea. So um, when, when somebody has offended you, uh, they, they've hurt you, they've betrayed you, they've spoken ill of you, how, whatever it takes, uh, um, whatever form uh, the sin takes, uh, we have to be willing to extend forgiveness. But in order for that forgiveness to be effective, it has to be received. So Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I can
3: I, A question, though, yeah. Ron. I'm sorry. But, okay. uh, going back to that Matthew passage, it says, go and be reconciled. That's an imperative. Go and be reconciled. It says, doesn't say go and be forgiven with your brother. It says go and be reconciled. Now, uh, how, how, do you, how do we deal with that? Uh, because that's an imperative. Go and be reconciled with your brother and then come back and give your gift.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Dave, uh, in 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 that, I think you're taking too literally the, the Christian context of that passage. We have to remember that it was a, a, a Jesus' ministry was very very Jewish, and the context then is also Jewish. But what he's saying is, don't come to God with a gift. Uh, while you're holding something against somebody else, or if somebody has, if you've done something to offend somebody else, um, if you want God to hear your prayers, then what you've got to be able to do is reconcile with your brother. You've got to get right with people as well as God. You know, it's a little disingenuous if we would go to the Lord today and say, uh, "Jesus, I love you. Forgive me of my sins," and then start asking Him to do things. Uh, Here's my gift, and and Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. It's a little disingenuous if, in fact, we have a offended someone else and we haven't made it right with them first it's sort of like praying with willful unrepentant sin in your heart so uh, i think jesus's context there uh, is a little bit different than we would understand it in a christian context i think what jesus was simply saying is don't bring a gift to god when you have yet to reconcile with your brother because then there's this impediment um, between you and the Lord. If, so, um, if indeed, he, he uh, would... if
3: indeed the other person is willing to reconcile, if, if the other person don't willing to reconcile, you can't be reconciled with him.
1: Yeah, well, I I think that's why in the epistles we have um, more specific direction. Uh, As I said, as far as it depends on us make peace, we can be the active reconciler, but it always requires the person that you're trying to reconcile with to want to be reconciled. And I think every one of us has somebody in our lives that just is not at all interested in making things right again, no matter how hard we try. Mm -hmm. And I think in a situation like that, Dave, we are free to say, well, Jesus, you know my my heart, I've done everything that I can, and uh, we sort of shake the dust off of our feet and then go on serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I hope that makes sense. Dave, thanks very much. Paula, we're inside one minute.
2: Yeah, I, I? I, I, I like that question because, you know, sometimes I think about that as well. Like, I've forgiven some people, you know, I try to forgive everybody, but the the other party still has that kind of that want to push the button you know, In my heart, I'm I'm right with the Lord. I'm reconciled with him about that, but that other person hasn't wanted to. Yeah, let,
1: let's take this uh, thought a little on the other side of okay. it. You're listening to the Date Day Edition, the Word to Stand Up for Life, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. 340 We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the second half of the program, the date day edition of the program, three four zero ninety five eighty five 9585 Paula, before we get into this discussion on forgiveness and reconciliation a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, why don't you give some details on the retreat coming up, because it's not too late if anybody wants to go.
2: That's true. Um, our retreat will be held March 8th through the 10th at Camp Buckner. Registration starts at 3, and so um, show up. And, and and we'll, you know, call the church at six five no two one zero six five eight eight three three seven, or go online at calvarysa.com dot com and register right away. Any lady, and senior in high school to, however age you happen to be. I think our the our, oldest our, lady is Kuga. Yeah, she'll be ninety.
1: Ninety three. Ninety three.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. So, and we saw her today, and she's mm-hmm. she's just fine. She, yeah. She's going to be
1: there again. Yeah, and ladies, please don't feel uh, awkward because you don't know anybody. Uh, we, this is a, a date weekend with Jesus, and um, believe me, the ladies there, there will be close to 300 women there, yep. and um, um, they will make you feel so loved and accepted. It will be a, a, just a great, great time. Mm-hmm.
2: So and if you hurry up and register, I will have your name, and by the time we get to the retreat and you say your first name and i'll say i'll be able to probably by then to say your last name um because i will have prayed for you and then uh you the, the guest speaker who's from Idaho, she always asks for the list of ladies. She prays for each and every one by name as well so um, we, you won't be a stranger
1: <laughs> Good. Um, I, I want to I read something this is for, for Dave who was listening asked the great question about mm-hmm. reconciliation, forgiveness. Uh, and Dave I'm just going to read and, and this goes back now to 2012 but this is the commentary that I wrote on on um, Matthew's gospel about the verses that you asked about i said this will be easier to understand if we modernize it for us it might be better understood like this what good is it to come to church when you harbor ill feelings against someone else um, or if you think god will overlook your offenses against someone else's by simply um, bringing an offering and, and, you know, Dave, we, we, we make church like that. You know, I'm going to go to church and so God won't be mad at me. Everything will be fine. But when you've got people that you've offended people, that you've done things with you're, you have the responsibility as a Christian. We have the responsibility to go and fix that. I wrote, do you think that God will forget the filth in your heart just because your hands are raised during worship or because you put some money in the offering? And the point there is to try making peace with man before making peace with God. There's something else, Dave, as you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, and and this is in Matthew chapter 5, and I I can't emphasize enough the importance of this. This is an entirely Jewish message. Jesus' point in the Sermon on the Mount isn't telling Dave or Pastor Ron how to live our lives. Jesus' point is telling the Jews because remember he's the Christ the Messiah they've been waiting for and here he is and they're rejecting him from the very beginning and and Jesus is basically on the Sermon on the Mount laying out how good they have to be in order to get to heaven we get to the end of chapter 5 the very same chapter this, this story is in uh, or this teaching is in uh, and, and it says in verse 48 be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect that's how good you have to be So Jesus was intentionally making the idea of heaven impossible apart from believing in him. And when we Christians try to read this like this is a set of rules for us to live by, well, then we find ourselves in that same hopeless situation. It's very important that we understand the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, as it was intended by Jesus. Basically, it was just Jesus raising the standard so high. You've heard that it was said, but I say unto you. And everything he said raised the standard. And and by the end of it, every one of those people uh, on that mount should have fallen on their face and saying, we're doomed, we're lost. And Jesus could have said, well, that's why I've come. Maybe if they would have responded that way, they would have received Jesus Christ. We know that's not what happened, but but that's the idea. So reconciliation uh, always requires two people. And again, the Sermon on the Mount isn't for us to live out literally. The Sermon on the Mount is for us to understand how desperately and deeply we need Jesus. Paula, there's something else I want to talk about relative to forgiveness. You know, we Christians, um, we hear, forgive as you have been forgiven by God. And we think, but I don't want to forgive people. They did this to me. They did that to me. Um, Forgiving means offering forgiveness. Jesus offered forgiveness to the world. Mm -hmm. And um, in order for that forgiveness to to take effect, it has to be received. So as Christians, when we offer forgiveness, it means that we pray for people, we harbor no ill will toward people. It doesn't mean that we embrace them, or it doesn't mean that we say, okay, I know what you did, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to forget about it. It's not not like they got Mm -hmm. away with something. Mm -hmm. It's just saying, I'm opening my heart to bring you back to my life, because God loves you, and He wants me to love you, Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to sacrifice the personal hurt. All you have to do is tell me you're sorry. And if they do it, great, you've, you've won your brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know here at Calvary Chapel, we uh, always want to be a church where people who have worked really hard to destroy this ministry over our 23 years, right. we want this to be a place where they can come back. Mm-hmm. We want this to be a place where somebody can come in and say, you know what? I know what I did was so wrong and I, I, I wish you could forgive me. Uh, we won't let them get another word out of their mouth. It's done. And it's a, gr- a really great way to
2: live. Mm-hmm. It sure is. It's just freeing. Um, yeah, it's just freeing. And if you have offended someone else, um, we, ha- we were told a story today, uh, a lady a few years ago, um, well, quite a few years ago, uh, she came with her family, and she got saved here. And she looked to the left and then to the right at her family members, and she asked this question, is this where I should apologize to the people I've hurt now?
1: And see, that's that's um, a changed heart, a transformer. That's a
2: changed heart. Uh, that's you know, offering forgiveness yeah, and, and asking forgiveness. And that's
1: the funeral we went to that's today. That's the
2: funeral we went to today.
1: And, and I didn't know this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but this is a lady who, when she was living with her son. her son mm-hmm. and his wife, mm-hmm. uh, they were bringing her to Calvary Chapel
2: she for about never, three months.
1: Yeah, for three months. Uh-huh. Never want she never wanted to go to church. She, well, I, I have my own church, and and you know she was um, from a religious background. Mm-hmm. I don't need to say which one. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she came, and 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 one day uh, I gave an invitation. Uh, it was a communion Sunday. Yeah. And this woman gave her life to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that was. We were at the funeral today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I didn't. I, I just. I mean, think about what a life this is. Um, mm-hmm. She lived on the northwest side, so when she was well enough to go back home, mm-hmm. she did, and she had a pastor that has been a wonderful, godly influence in her life. Who, um,
2: she he he was a little kid. She,
1: yeah, she knew him as a little kid on the west and, side. and
2: he grew up. And she get comes over here. She's much older than he is, and she comes over here. for yeah, she like was
1: eighty-seven, I think. Three months. Yeah.
2: Mhm. Gets saved, and then she goes back to her neighborhood. Now she has to find a new church. She didn't go back to the old church. She had to find a new church, and they said, "Well, there's this it's a, this church down the street, right down the street from you. You should go there." And she went there. And she walked in and recognized the young kid who had grown up is now the pastor of that church. And she said to him, i am saved and he said me too (laughs) how cute and just the relationship that you know he had always held her in such high esteem and then to you know at the end of her life she's sitting under his authority as her pastor and he just did a great job today you could tell he really knew and, and admired her and uh, yeah. It was just really good. But, yeah, yeah forgiveness. D-
1: Dave, yeah, Dave, th- thanks for the, the, the question. It, it, that, that, that's something we all really need to wrestle with. It's
2: yeah, yeah. And I the think. enemy is really powerful because even after you've forgiven someone and you know you genu- genuinely have forgiven them, then the enemy sometimes come along and say. Yeah, but you remember what they did. Well, that's when we mm-hmm. need to talk to the hand. Yeah,
1: or, or the enemy will say, well, you know, they're going to think that they won yeah. or, or they're going to think that what they did was okay. Uh-huh. And that just is so hard for our flesh. Yeah. It really is so hard yeah. for them. So that's why we got to be with Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. And you know that the reconcile is, um, you know, that's not holding a grudge any longer. We may not be the best of friends, you know, um, but okay what you did is what you did and look i'm the stronger for it. i get the opportunity to continue forgiving you and you, know, you know whether we're sitting in church together or or not um i know my heart is right with the lord that's mm-hmm. what that's what matters i'm reconciled back to the lord i have had those times Pastor Ron when i've been on the the stairmaster or the treadmill and a name would come up and my lip would go up and i had a little attitude and the Lord is such a gentleman he'll say okay we need to work on that today (laughs) you're ready for this today Um, thinking you know thinking I had forgiven but I really hadn't and so the Lord is really really good about that and so now I don't have have that little spot over there in that lower chamber you know that I have to deal with any longer good
1: let's go to um, Mason County on line one Ron thanks for calling you're on the air
4: how are you today, Pastor Ron? Appreciate all you guys discuss
1: all the time. My my pleasure. I'm doing well.
4: In regard to the forgiveness, you answered and said reconciliation took two parties to reconcile. And when mm-hmm. God reconciled us to him and set the example after Jesus was crucified for how we were going to handle forgiveness... Uh, was there two way reconcil- reconciliation there? I mean he reconciled us to us to him, but we don't necessarily man doesn't necessarily accept that reconciliation. Am I wrong on the way I approach that?
1: Well, no, I think maybe I maybe I wasn't clear. I think you're right. Uh uh but but but, but the, the completed act of reconciliation requires two parties. Uh, It's a covenant of God. Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood. A covenant always requires not just one party, but two. God offers forgiveness and and to reconcile with sinful man, and and that um, um, offer is efficacious for every person who's ever lived ever, but unless man accepts the offer of forgiveness and reconciles himself or herself to God, uh, then there's no completed covenant there. So I think I think you understand it right. I probably just didn't explain it very well. But uh, to be reconciled to God, He offers it. We have to accept it, and then we are completely, wonderfully, beautifully reconciled to the Lord. Does that make sense?
4: Yes. And I mean, if if we're to forgive as God forgave us, all we can do is offer forgiveness That's, and a means of reconciliation of the problem, yeah. and if they mm-hmm. refuse it, we've done everything we could do. Am I wrong
1: there? Mm-hmm. Nope, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Uh, forgiveness has okay. to be extended, and it has been, but then it has to be accepted. So, again, w- whenever we have a, a, an issue with a person, um, we have to do everything that we can. You know, Ron, one of the things that, that uh, I want the audience to, to understand is, is what a free life it is to live without being encumbered um, by by um, unforgiveness. Um, you know, we walk around, people have hurt us, we, we think we have a right to, to be angry after what they did to me, uh, and yet the truth is, the minute we let those things go, uh, we are absolutely free. Now, the other person may still be in bondage. That's between them and God. But we can be free, and the whole point of all of this, it's for freedom we have been set free, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Um, what we have to do is we have to purpose to live our lives in such a way that we hold nothing against anyone. And if we can do that... Now, I'm going to set myself up for an attack here. But, um, you know, uh, uh, God... I was such a horrible sinner. Uh, sometimes I feel like Paul, the chief of sinners, um, but but very, very early in my Christian walk, it's sort of like God touched me and gave me the gift of forgiveness. And I can be on this radio program in front of however many tens of thousands of people that are listening, and, and I can say there isn't one person in this world that I hold Anything against now? There's people that have done terrible things. Never tried to reconcile. Uh, there's people that I wish we had a better relationship than we do. But uh, but none of that comes from this direction. And 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 it's so freeing to be able to get up every morning and go to the Lord, knowing that I've done what I can, and there's no bitterness in my heart toward anybody at all. And and the people that have done the worst things and the things that hurt the most, uh, I want them to know always that they're welcome to come back and let's make it right. And, and that's a free life. It really is a free life. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it very, very much. 340-9585, <laughs> so, four, four,
2: unless there's any other great questions. So reconciliation, I just kind of break it down to like simple so I can understand Pastor Ron. So when Jesus offered forgiveness and for me to be reconciled to him, He says, will you marry me? I just had to say yes. So now I get walking in the spirit here on earth with him and then either he comes back and gets me and takes me to heaven or I go the natural way. But if he offers forgiveness and I would have said no, he would have made him sad and he would have just walked on because he's busy doing the work of his father. And um, I would be out there on my own, just in the world, and then in the end, hell. Yep. Pretty much that's it, right? That's pretty simple. Okay.
1: You know, we, we don't think about this often, but but you know the way I teach, Paul, I like to get into the stories. And I, in, in the story, for example, of the rich young ruler, we know he walked away sad. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the saddest one that day. I know. It was Jesus. Yeah. It was almost as though if Jesus were like us, he would have said, no, don't go, you know. Uh, somebody's walking away and you're holding on to their robe and trying to hold them and keep them from going somewhere. But but, but Jesus was, was heartbroken um, when Judas led the detachment of Roman soldiers yeah. into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus looked at him and said, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Yeah. That broke Jesus' heart. Earlier, what you do, do quickly in the mm-hmm. upper room. And as Judas left to betray him, Satan entering him at that point, it broke Jesus' heart. Mm-hmm. And yet, every day of Jesus' life, he had to deal with people that wanted him dead. He had to deal with people that were rejecting what he was offering. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says, because he knew the condition of all men's hearts, he offered himself to none. Mm-hmm. He knew. And yet He still spent Himself for everybody. That's what we Christians need to example. Simply by saying to the people that have offended you, you know, I give a, an opportunity nearly every, every message. I want Christians to be able to walk out of here and say, ah, there's nobody I'm unwilling to forgive. doesn't matter what they've done to me, and tiny degree. I know what Jesus feels, because I can see the wrestling with the Spirit of God as I'm giving the invitation. Mm -hmm. I can see people getting uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in the chair. I know what they're thinking. Sometimes God will give me words of wisdom or words of knowledge, and I know what they're wrestling with, and and I'll plead with them, you know, you don't have to leave here encumbered by unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. You can be free today, and God will meet you. Just come up and meet Jesus Mm -hmm. here. Mm And it's so painful to see people sit in their chairs. Yeah,
2: you know, you, you think how sweet the Lord is, and he gives us these directives, and he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Well, he commands us to um, get rid of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And, you know, it seems like pretty much every altar call you give, you know, it's not just um, stop being sexually immoral, stop being, you know, angry, but are you holding on to unforgiveness? You know, and that's uh, that's one of those everything things that can hinder and a sin that so easily can entangle us, and Jesus yeah, doesn't want that for yeah, us. And
1: not only hinder shipwreck.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you, you know, when, when Paul writes that, throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, the enemy uses unforgiveness mm. to rationalize our own sin. And I, I can promise everybody in this audience, if you're holding on to unforgiveness... There's sin in your life beyond the unforgiveness. That's sin, mm-hmm. but there's sin in your life beyond that because you've given the enemy uh, an opportunity to, to grab that portion of your heart, mm-hmm. um, and and you end up your heart gets harder. You end up rationalizing what you're doing. Um, maybe you you feel the victim, and uh, victims are always easy targets for the devil. Yeah. So what we've got to do is we've got to get to that place where. Every single day, we take our hearts before the Lord. Paul said, examine yourselves daily to see whether you're in the faith. And the only way I know to tell people, Paula, to forgive the unforgivable is to pray for them. Mm -hmm. Because in the course of praying for them, it won't happen right away. There's a whole bunch of God bless them prayers with Mm -hmm. clenched teeth. But in the course of praying for them consistently... And with a heart that really wants to be set free from unforgiveness, God will change your heart. Mm-hmm. And and one day, and it's happened to me, it's happened to to you. One day, when you're praying for him, you'll think, "Hey, I really want him in heaven. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad anymore." Yeah. Because that's the supernatural work that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And uh, sadly, there are, there are uh, churches are filled with people that are holding on to unforgiveness and justifying it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's why our world is so polarized now. Yeah. We got black churches, white churches, Korean churches, and it's not just the language barrier. And so, yeah, the Lord says, "I, I don't want that. Quit that." Yeah. So, anyway, oh, this is a wonderful show, don't you think, Pastor? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's been some really, really cool things happening too because we had a we had a baby here at Calvary Chapel yesterday. You know, not at the church itself, but one of the young ladies who's um you know, staying at hey, if <laughs> if we did it
1: wouldn't have messed up our carpet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been exciting. But yeah, she she had a little girl yesterday and you know, that's just how like you're saying, that how life is. We bury one and, and one is born, you know, it just mm-hmm. continually happens and it's just an awesome thing. I'm, I'm watching the kids out there, they're, you know, the end of the school year. It's, it's coming. It's not here yet, but you can feel it in the kids, you know. And uh, the seniors are, they're 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 yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. like, yeah. Two days in a wake-up. <laughs> <laughs> they're like wide-eyed, yeah, for sure. And it's like, what is happening to me? And they're going to be going out into the world pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the prayers for them and their parents have also been kicked up a notch, you know, and and there's it it never fails. Some kids who, you know, their parents insisted that they be in this Christian school, you know, that hopefully that they would be changed. And hearing um, God's Word and seeing, mostly, most of the teachers are men, um, so that's, and they're setting great examples. But then the ladies in this, School are also setting great examples of how real Christians are supposed to be. Um, And these kids are getting it. And so some of them who come in here with their arms all, you know, I don't even want to be at the school and I'm not going to pay attention and you're not going to. By the time they graduate, just so many of them say to the other kids that are coming behind them, this is the best school ever. We kind of look at them (laughs) like, what? You know, but they get won over by the love of christ the consistency of uh discipline that they get here and they know that there's boundaries even when i walked in just a little while ago you know the kids can't have their cell phones at school and so they're sitting out on the table for them to pick them up as they go out do you know how healthy that is for them
1: don't get me started oh sorry is that (laughs) a bad
2: subject but i just thought how awesome is that and that um you know, even the parents who know that is a prerequisite, those kids' phones are right there, and guess what? They live through the day. Yeah, they survive the day. <laughs> parents ought
1: remember that. Uh, Paul, let me just say, the, the the baby we had yesterday was Cherry's baby. Yes. Uh, she's one of the ladies at Manor House. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, these are the kind of things. It's such an honor to be used by God to provide this. So not only did Cherry give her life to Jesus, but... Now we got a baby, yeah, who is going to know him, yeah. And uh, you know, it's an amazing thing. We one of our one of our pastors and his wife uh, adopted um, two little baby girls who have really really difficult backgrounds, mm. uh, and they're raising them up. and The the, the transformation of those kids is unbelievable. <laughs> you just look at and you think, thank you, Jesus, because before there was no hope, no future, mm-hmm. and now look at the hope in the future. Yeah. Um, that's worth forgiving everybody for everything they've ever done
2: yeah it is
1: so chair i'm sure you're not listening you got a brand new baby but congratulations we've been praying for you and god bless you paula we're inside one minute
2: yes i want to pray for reina father we just come before you right now lord and we just lift up reina and carl to you and we just ask for your merciful hand to touch and heal Please give us a great report, Lord. Please. We just thank you and praise you. We can come before you. And like we learned in the study last night, your will, your way. Prepare us all for whatever that is that we would bring honor and glory to you. Yeah,
1: and Art, from yesterday's show, we've been praying for you all day. We'll keep you in our prayers. Remember, rebroadcast tomorrow. Uh, I would appreciate prayers for Saturday morning in Houston, the Men's Conference. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks for a great week, a live week on the show. (laughs) See you on Monday.
2: God bless you. (laughs) Goodbye-bye.